Welcome to Farm Food Facts, the webcast and podcast of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action. Today's episode is a must-see and is referenced for all of our futures. Our CEO, Aaron Fitzgerald, has been on a worldwide tour sharing the voice of the U.S. farmers and ranchers globally. She's just returned from the critical and sometimes nail-biting 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference, or what's called the Conference of the Parties of the UNFCCC, more commonly referred to and much easier as COP27. The 27th United Nations Climate Change Conference that was held from the 6th of November to the 20th of November in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Erin, what are your top three takeaways from your time there? Well, number one, um, I'm sure you read a lot in the press that um, it was the first time that food and ag was kind of front and center in the dialogue. But I would say, ironically, there was no food <laughs> most of the time. Um, so that, that was quite controversial. Um, but we did see that uh, if you remember last year when we uh, went to the climate change conversations, Many of us farmers that were there and farm groups um, were really calling on um, agriculture to be more front and center in the dialogues. And we did see that this year. We had um, a couple farm and um, food pavilions, but we still are struggling to have farmer engagement. We had the most farmer engagement ever. Um, actually, the farmer constituency grew. Uh, we had about 111 different farmer groups present uh, globally. But still, it's such a challenge to get the tickets um, and the accreditation for farmer groups and the sponsorship for farmers to be present at the forum. And we would we would argue that it's still far too little um, for the amount of participation in both the role that agriculture uh, can play and our farmers in particular as being the eco workforce for the solutions to climate change. And also this year of all years with food security so front and center um, in the discussions, it was it seemed like it, it could have been a little bit more front and center to have our farmers um, more front and center. We, we saw food security um, being in, in the dialogue, but this idea of investing in their future for the next 10 years um, was a little bit uh, missing. And um we just know that the farmers are, are critical to be included um, in the conversation, not just for developed nations, but also the developing nations, particularly the global south, uh, where um, agrarian lifestyles and the ability to drive a livelihood of the communities and development, it just needs to be front and center. So we hope uh, that at COP28, we'll be seeing more farmer engagement. We're still pushing for that. Uh, we did see food and agriculture for the first time on the agenda, but again, without the actual farmers um, really be represented in all panels, um, it, it's tough to go get the job done. So the farmers are there. Um, the farmers are part of, of the conversation and dialogue, but what I'm hearing you say is they're not really being heard. They don't have the presence that they've got. How do we change that? How do we how do we instill both domestically here in the U.S. to farmers and ranchers that say you got to be at these events? Um, and also, how do we tell these events that if you don't have this farmer voice, you know, you're not going to come up with something that is realistic, accurate and workable? 
Yeah, well, we had Marilyn Hershey um, from U.S. Farmers and Ranchers um, included in the dialogue, and she did a great job really saying, bring it down to reality of what of actually what she's doing on her farm to both be a solution to mitigate methane. That was a key uh, conversation and as well as food waste, right? She's taking food waste, combining to her digester and generating renewable energy in her community. I think it's a perfect example of what and many in business call circular economy. Um, our farmers have been doing that for, for some time. Um, so really getting those practical on the ground uh, insights from our farmers. And then second, just like really having the authenticity. If you're going to have a food pavilion and you're going to have um, conversations to really make certain that um, I was walking around and I was hearing quite a bit like farmers should, farmers should, you know, we need to make certain that every single time um, in a session panel or a discussion that you have the entirety of the value chain represented and that making certain that our farmers are included in that. So that's going to take more farmers to be admitted into the climate change uh, discussion. We want to make certain that the farmers constituency amount of badges as an NGO constituency is really increased. And that um, whenever there's a pavilion or um, entities that are, are working on food systems, that they include farmers and ranchers um, in that in that dialogue. We we saw certainly saw an increase in that this year, um, but for the how stakes how high the stakes are, I would say that we still have a long ways to go. But it was um, definitely an improvement from from the prior year. You know, last year we 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 called on that. We said it needed to happen for NAG, and uh, this year we did see quite an improvement, at least food and agriculture being included in the conversation. Now we have a job to do to get our farmers completely included. So when we hear and we talk to farmers about um, what they've seen on the news uh, from, from this conference, um, there was lots of discussion uh, while you were there. We were hearing about it, that a lot of parties weren't agreeing on things, disagreeing, you know, and and all about climate and energy. Not a lot really hit the news about food and agriculture. Um, what are you hearing from the farmers themselves um, that were here, um, that they just saw the news? Are they looking at this as an opportunity to really dig in and, and make the world change? I think what we, we saw more than anything this past year, it was like, um, if you read, it seemed like it was more of a conference of the parties. There was a lot more conference. There was a lot more in the pavilions and a lot of the corporate entities, um, coalition building that was happening on the side events. In terms of the actual negotiations, I, I don't think you saw much come out of it. Um, there was this, um, what we were, you're hearing is re reparations. I would say that it's going to be, well, that was first time on the agenda. I think as most Americans, um, you'll hear in the press, like, is that really possible that we can start paying people? So I think um, that remains to be seen. Um, what I would say is front and center is, again, it business will need to drive the majority of this and how we see the private sector really mobilize at the, the conference. Um, that does seem to be where many of the thought leaders, decision makers are going to have side meetings to really figure out how they make their corporate commitments on sustainability. We are seeing an increase in companies that are making big, bold commitments to um, climate change. The question then is how do they implement it? 
And the most important question is, is how do we develop the economic business case? And I think this is where agriculture really comes into play, and particularly for our farmers, is how do we build the business case for our farmers? Um, they are economic actors, and we have to make certain that we have the right business case at hand um, for them to have a sustainable livelihood and to really also adapt to climate change. So they're going to need new technology and new innovation, and we're not investing um, necessarily as fast as we should be in supporting them to achieve those goals. So what are some of the next steps that we need uh, to take to to optimize these, to be able to get, you know, the farmer um, to to economically be able to do it, to get the technology there, to get the businesses there? Um, what do we need to do? Yeah. So one of the things we've been talking a lot about and we did just prior to a study just prior to um, the climate change talks in the summer is we asked a simple question, are we investing fast enough in the ag sector? Um, we know we're going to need technology. We know we're going to need innovation. And given that there's this whole new interest to invest from the private sector in environmental solutions and community-based solutions, is agriculture really getting their fair share from the private sector? We found out that um, Ag is actually receiving 2% of total new dollars that are coming into the space related to environmental social governance funds. And frankly, that's quite low um, for investors that really care about the environment and community. We believe that agriculture, both ag technology and our farmers themselves really do provide um, a win-win. Um, they do good. <laughs> they provide for the environment and they also provide for food security and nutrition security, which we depend. Um, so the fact that it's not being seen as a sector to invest in is quite shocking. And we know that we need to increase the amount of investment into this space um, to really support the ag economy. Is part of it when I look at, you know, the VC community and, and a lot of uh, the people that are throwing uh, money at food, um, whether it's, you know, cellular agriculture or other new technologies, is part of it that, you know, and I say this respectfully to farmers, it's not sexy. You know, when when you want to raise, you know, a billion dollars and you say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to grow um, something from a cell and so on. You know, all of a sudden they get huge amount of dollars, regardless of whether or not it's ever going to show a profit, regardless of whether or not it's ever going to, you know, reach reality. Um, and do we have to make farmers sexier? Phil, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, so last year we did a report, um, Transform Investment Report. We looked at the landscape review of just how much money, do we have enough venture dollars? Do we have enough startups and new technology moving in this space? And what we found is, yes, there's a lot of new dollars pouring into ag and the venture community, but primarily it's going to cellular-based um, alternatives. And if that's the case, and that's one pathway, of course, um, as, as you hear many people are looking at, alternative proteins, but then you have to ask, well, how are we going to help with soil? How are we going to help our existing farmers have the right innovation and technology? We know that agriculture can be carbon negative. We also know that the beef and dairy sector and livestock in particular has an incredible contribution to make in climate smart agriculture and climate sequestration. So why aren't they getting the attention 
uh, in terms of investment in technology and new startups. Um, frankly, um, the alternative protein has kind of, I would say, mm-hmm. taken the energy really um, of many of the investors. It's, as you mentioned, sexy, but we need to make certain that they understand that it's manure, it's new genetics, it's different t- types of technology that our farmers can use and deploy. The other thing is that we do have a great innovation pipeline in ag um, that we know exists, but our farmers also need the technology and need the investment structure to support the existing technology pipeline to be deployed. So when we think about the Silicon Valley type investors, they're looking for the next big thing. I would say that it's our farmers that are doing, um, they are the tech providers. They're kind of this eco workforce that everyone's been looking for. Forget Silicon Valley, go out to the Midwest um, but that's where innovation needs to be happening and, and the investment needs to be happening to support our farmers, not necessarily support disrupting agriculture, but support them to go do what they need to go do, get them the right innovation and tools and look to make investments that you know are going to support farmers. What is it going to take for us to get to zero hunger? Definitely, we want to make certain that um, we take an all hands on deck approach Um we need a lot more investment coming from the private sector. Um, right now, agriculture is only receiving 2% of total ESG funds. We have got to make certain that when investors are considering making a portfolio-based approach on where to put their environmental social governance dollars, right? Those are dollars that they're going to put to work to go solve for the environment, that they truly consider that this is the sector that's most essential to helping realize ending zero hunger and solving the for all the sustainable development goals. So that's key uh, in our in our work to for next year is to really make certain that we encourage investors to take a portfolio based approach and invest in agriculture. So basically, looking across the entire supply chain of agriculture, um, from farm to the supermarket shelf, and really looking at it in a much more holistic way, um, and that'll be what creates change for us. Yes, I mean it. It should. It's sort of strange that um, many of the investors, when they think about solving climate change, are betting just on energy, the energy sector, right? Um, you know, if you look at agriculture, we provide a few things. We provide unbelievable nutrition, we provide fiber, and then we provide bio-based products. That's also in the, that eliminates anything that's coming from the fossil fuel-based sector that also creates uh, energy as well. So we can disrupt many of the other sectors that are generating emissions. We can go sequester emissions, and we can go help with the most fundamental need of ending zero hunger. So this sector is often forgotten uh, in its contributions that it has um, both for the environmental benefits and the contributions to an economy. Our point uh, is that we really want to make certain when investors are looking at agriculture, they say, okay, if I had to place a dollar bet, I am going to bet on the American farmer. I know that they can go get this job done. I'm going to bet on the environmental ingenuity and the eco-technology that exists in this sector. Right now, we're not getting what I would call um, attention um, from those investors, um, and we need to do a better job about raising the awareness that this sector is the one that can go solve and be a contribution 
to the climate change? So we've got a year till COP28 in Dubai. What's the one thing that you hope that we can do in the next year uh, to make COP28 more effective for U.S. farmers and ranchers? Well, number one, we want to make certain there's authentic farmer inclusion. Uh, we're really pushing that there's really no sustainable coalition or effort um, unless it includes farmers and ranchers uniquely and authentically part of the design and governance uh, moving forward. They need to be at the table. Uh, we need to work between now and uh, COP28 to ensure that we have enough farmers that can attend. We had a lot of food pavilions. Uh, we only had 111 farmer groups. Um, we certainly should expect more um, for the, the breadth of this conversation that farmers are included. So that's that's number one. And number two is really making certain that as companies and particularly the finance sector is making big, bold commitments to sustainability, that they consider the important positive contribution that agriculture can play in helping us reach a net zero economy goal. This is the one sector that is most at risk to climate change. But if we can invest in it now, we can adapt to climate change and we can go fix some of these ecosystem services. So food security is front and center. It is absolutely essential. The, the basics to our, all the economies of which we thrive upon. We have to make certain that people are um, resilient now. And we are also preparing and investing in that next 10 years so that we, we have zero hunger in the face of climate change. And that's going to take incredible investment from the private sector to recognize that we need to invest in agriculture. Um, goal, the order of the sustainable development goals matter. Goal number two, zero hunger, is ag for a reason. Um, so really get helping to make certain people understand that this is the sector that can be a solution. Aaron, as always, thank you for your untiring leadership your intellect, your hard work on behalf of the U.S. farmers and ranchers in action, and for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. For more about all food and agriculture, please visit us at farmersandranchers.org. Also, be sure to visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Farmers and Ranchers, as well as on Twitter and LinkedIn at USFRA. Until next time.